Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Chicago Bullseye. This is a two-part episode, a uh, Arturis Apalooza. Part one is an interview with Stefan No. Now, uh, keep in mind, this interview is actually two interviews that we had to cut into one. I had an interview with Stefan just before the signing, so I, I had to pen that. Stefan's got a ton of great information in that interview. So part two of Arturis Apalooza is an interview with Coach Kamal Asaf of California. Uh, he's got a long and storied basketball career and ties to the Denver Nuggets organization. Um, right now he's coaching in, in uh, California, but he coached high school against Clay Thompson and Damian Lillard, among others. Um, he's, he's got a winning history. Coach that, uh, he was the head coach at La Jolla High School, and uh, he played college ball at UC San Diego and Whittier College. So he's done a lot of incredible things hope you enjoyed both of these hi this is neil funk and you're listening to fred on the chicago bullseye Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another exciting edition of Chicago Bullseye. It's been a while, and oh my gosh, has the world changed in the interim. I hope everyone who's listening is safe and doing well, as well as you can be in these trying times. But hopefully there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and we'll get back to basketball sooner rather than later. In the interim, we have the great Stefano on the line. Steph, how are you, my man? Doing as well as, as anyone can be at this time, Fred. Hope you are the same. Yeah, I mean, you know, I know you have a youngster, six months, a boy. Uh, you know, it's, 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 I have two kids, you know, 11 and 15. After a certain amount of time, you know, they're excited that they're out of school, but now it's starting to get like, they're actually looking forward to going back. And Oh, wow. Yeah, which is, That's when you know it's bad. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, we're doing the best we can, and tr- I'm trying to make the best of it, right? We're, we're together as much, a lot more than usual, and... Uh, trying to make uh, the best out of a tough situation. You know, my my wife is a, a teacher's aide, and with no school, it's, she's not working, so it's tough for her. And, um, mm. you know, but what are you going to do? You know, I, I'm, we're not the only family who's enduring uh, tough times at this time. Look, first of all, I, I know there's a lot of people who are curious about what happened with you at The Athletic. I was devastated to hear the news that you were no longer going to be writing for them. I think it happened before all this kind of went down, or was it right around the same time it started to? Could you share with us, if you don't mind, an update and also kind of like an overview of what happened and what was the decision-making process. Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, it kind of came as a shock to me as well. You know, I was a uh, pretty much a day one employee there and the NBA season had been halted. So we knew the coverage was going to be a little bit rough. Got a couple stories out after that, but uh, yeah, the site just made a decision to, I guess, I don't know if you'd call it like furlough or just pause all of their freelance contributions for the time being. Uh, my editor told me, you know, he wasn't going to look for any more work for me and just take a break. And hopefully when the season restarts or when all this stuff dies down, they're going to readdress my contract. So a lot of writers, a lot of media people, you know, they have to uh, negotiate these contracts on a yearly basis. I'm one of them. So, you know, my work has done pretty well for the site. I've been lucky to be supported by a ton of people. And I'm so uh, thankful that, you know, people continue to subscribe to The Athletic and support my work. So they seem pretty optimistic that they can bring me back once all this stuff dies down. But you never really know in this industry. You know, I saw like the score just lost a bunch of people too. So yeah, 
media hits are just, it's, it's really tough to make it in this industry. So you're very thankful whenever you do get an opportunity. I mean, I'm a, a, a subscriber of The Athletic because of the work that you and Darnell do. And it's just, uh, you know, frustrating to see this, that, you know, with the, with the NBA coming down, you know, with play being stopped, that this has happened. But you, it sounds like what you're saying is if it, this does come back and we could get some kind of solution, hopefully soon, sooner rather than later, you will be writing again? Uh, you know, I hope so. It's it's not really up to me, unfortunately. But um, yeah, my stuff has performed pretty well, so I I would hope that uh, they bring me back. Well, I'm looking forward to reading you again because this has been you know really rough, uh, and you know we all miss you there. But um, you know, hopefully, when this is uh, rectified and the season starts again, we'll be reading your great work. And, and to that end, I'd like to touch a little bit on Bulls basketball. It doesn't seem you know, it's important these times, but it is a diversion for a lot of people out there. So let's, if you don't mind, let's let's talk a little bit about the the, the latest news. I'm very happy that uh, the Bulls went ahead and hired Arturis Kurnisovic. I think it's a really good hire. It, it was an excellent hire. I'm I'm very excited about it. I can't wait to see who's the GM going to be uh, now that we have our VP of operations, and I can't wait to see who the head coach is going to be. Um, I'm excited at every level of my existence. So, uh, although I, I do, you know, <laughs> you know, I do uh, love uh, John Paxson. I thought he did overall a very fine job for the beloved. There's no doubt that his decision to hire Boylan as head coach was a fireball offense, and it's time we move in a new direction. So I'm, I'm excited about that direction. So what say you about AK for the sevens? <laughs> I like that nickname. I think it's, it's pretty off, good. So good start with that nickname. <laughs> I think it's pretty brilliant. I gotta admit, you know, my seven mantra and AK obviously our tourist Karnasovis. I think it's uh, very, very clever. Thanks for agreeing with me. On that. I expect nothing less from you, Fred. <laughs> um, but as far as uh, my impressions of him, I mean, I spent the last couple days basically reading everything there was publicly about him online and watching all of his interviews as well. He seems like a very brilliant person. Uh, what really struck me about his story is that he came over here. He basically defected from Lithuania at a time where that was somewhat dangerous uh, to go play at Seton Hall. He had to wait three days in Moscow for them to decide that uh, you know they weren't going to go after him or anything. And uh, He didn't speak any English when he first came to America. I think that this is a, kind of a story that maybe you need to be an immigrant to appreciate, but... Uh, just being able to do that is so um, so difficult. Yeah. And he basically taught himself English in a year, became the student athlete scholar of the Big East for basketball two years in a row his junior and senior year. So this is a guy that's extremely bright and dedicated. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to um, Daryl Morey. He was on the score earlier today too, but he echoed the same thing. He just said that, this guy, Karnisovic, is, like, brilliant. He gets along well with everyone. He's going to be a terrific GM. He has um, so many positive recommendations from all the people that he's worked with. I was reading a lot about with Tim Connolly, the uh, president over at Denver, had to say about him, just glowing things. So I think that he has waited a long time for this opportunity. He's proven himself at every level. And I think that this is going to be a really, really good thing for the Bulls going forward. I, I agree 100%. I'm really excited to about this hire. What were some of the other points that you heard from listening to him that really stood out in terms of his basketball philosophy? What do you think he's going to bring to the table in terms of you know, his, his opinion on how the game should be played? 
Well, what Maureen said on the radio today, this was with uh, McNeil and Parkins, I believe. I, I didn't have a chance to listen to it, but I did see some of the quotes that they were tweeting out. Uh, Maureen said that Carnesivus uh, was ahead of the game in terms of anticipating that basketball has evolved a lot since John Paxson uh, took over for the Bulls. I think that's where Pax really struggled. Is He was good in the beginning in the early 2000s, but as the game moved more into positionless basketball, into a uh, game where you need skill at all five positions. That's like more of a European style of basketball, and Pax just never really caught on to that trend quickly enough. Uh, what Maury said is Carnesivus was way ahead of that trend, even ahead of what uh, Maury was doing, and Maury is known as kind of an innovator in that field as well. So uh, he supposedly really likes guys who can pass, dribble, and shoot, which is, you know, you look at the teams that are successful these days, and, and Skilled players are so vital. I think that the Bulls could benefit. When they say they want to modernize their their whole organization, I think that's really what they should be aiming at. And Curtis seems like the guy that can get that done. He has the resume. He has the right ideas. So I'm really excited to see what he's going to do here. I'm really excited that he's going to pick, I'm hoping, Adrian Griffin as the head coach of the Chicago Bulls. He's the lead assistant for the Raptors right now. He has a history in Chicago. I've always loved this guy. Uh, everyone I've ever talked to who's been around him, played with him, has nothing but great things to say. Would you be happy with that choice well, as head coach? I mentioned this in a story I wrote for uh, my Patreon uh, yesterday, but those two were actually teammates at Seton Hall for two years. So they have a relationship. Uh, I saw some things where Carnesiva said that he still keeps in touch with Griffin, you know, when they see each other in NBA cities and such. So I think it would make a lot of sense, but I'm kind of surprised that you're so high on Griffin. You know, he's he's tainted by Tom Thibodeau, your uh, mortal enemy. He's not my mortal enemy. I've always said the same thing about Thibodeau. He was a great coach, but he had one massive flaw. You know, playing centers 41 minutes per game over, you know, vast swaths of the season is incredibly dumb. I don't think Adrian would fall into that same idiocy. So I think... <laughs> I think I think Adrian believes in science. I think he listens to his doctors, and he understands the importance of rest as a former player. Uh, I, that's why I like Adrian. I think he'd be. I think he'd be a great choice. Yeah, I actually think the guy who uh, I would put my money on is Wes Unseld Jr., who's the lead assistant in Denver. But uh, I could see Adrian Griffin getting a job. A couple other names that I've kind of been spitballing here. Um, but yeah, I mean, as long as it's not Jim Boylan, I think we're both in agreement that. Uh, Anything would be an improvement. Amen. I mean, that would be the worst case scenario of all time. <laughs> he comes let's here. Not even, let's not even talk about it. I don't <laughs> want to speak that into existence. Exactly. Are you, I saw, I'm going to read you a tweet that I read today um, that I think is probably the best, smartest one I've read all day. I want to know that if you concur with this, because there's a definite move uh, online for, you know, for the, uh, the mob with the pitchforks and, and torches to, to get blood. And this is from Kevin Anderson, uh, our, our, our mutual friend from, at, uh, from NBC Sports Chicago. He says, I don't get the packs and need to go, end quote, mentality. If Karnasovis wants him to stay as an advisor, then it's a good move. Pax built a contender here, and he'd be an advisor, not making final decisions. But if Karnasovis wants him gone completely, that's the right move. And and the quote, like, I agree with that completely. I, I don't understand the desire to eradicate John Paxson from the building. If the Reinsdorfs want to play him, 
Who cares? The, the final question is, who is making the decisions here? If it's if it's Carnicevis, that's all that matters. I think John Paxson would be a valuable advisor, and I think he is still can bring uh, things to the table as long as he's not making a final decision on the head coach, that's for sure. I mean, you and I think pretty differently about Pax. I'm really not a Pax fan, um, both professionally and personally. But, uh, oh, you know, I can, I can uh, understand that he's very passionate about the Bulls. He definitely has the Bulls' best interests at heart. So at least we're both on the same page with that. Okay. So I assume you disagree with that. You think he should be removed from the building. I mean, if, as, as you said, if the Rhinosaurus want to pay him for his loyalty, then, you know, that's fine. If he wants to do, like, a Scotty Pippen type of role where he's an ambassador and he doesn't know half the names on the team, then, <laughs> you know, all power to him. But if he is, like, using his if – if he's in the war room, then uh, I think that, you know, the, the Bulls need a change. He's been, he's been making decisions for 17 years. It's quite a long time. Um, the only other people who have been the lead decision makers in organizations – for that long, all have championship rings. So, you know, Pax, Pax did his duty. He certainly left the franchise in a better place than he found it in. I think we can both agree on that. So Two it's time for a new voice, I think. No doubt. We all are in agreement on that. Two more quick questions. Number one, out of the core four, Kobe White, Wendell Carter Jr., Laurie Markinen, and Zach Levine, and now with your knowledge of the Carnicevis philosophy, which one of those four do you feel is the most likely to be gone by next season? Or do you feel they'll all be back? That is the interesting question, right? I mean, we really have no idea, but based on what he has said, I would say Zach Levine doesn't fit that mold as well as the other three guys. And the Bulls had Gasol, I thought, was a top free agent signing. They were... San Antonio wanted him, Oklahoma City wanted him, the Bulls won that. I agree with you to a certain extent. Recently hasn't turned out as well, but Nate Robinson, you know, uh, Kyle Korver, they had a lot of nice free agent signings, although they weren't premier, no doubt about that. They were good signings uh, from you know, Well, I think, w- would you agree, though, that, I mean, Pax's main strategy has just been to build extremely heavily through the draft, yeah. right? but. I'd counter to that. I agree with you, no doubt about that. But I think that's more forced upon them. I, I think that's how the Bulls run their organization as a mid-market to small organization where they prefer that method of, of signing. Maybe I'm wrong on this. I hope I am because I do agree with you. I think that's where they need to improve is finding is, – is making you know better trades and better – you know, you can debate the Jimmy Butler trade if that was good or not. I, I still think that was a pretty good trade. I don't want to get on a tangent here, but no doubt about it, they haven't uh, recently. It just hasn't worked out. So there, there's a time for a change. The the whole hinky stain for me. You know, I know you're a fan of the guy, but in retrospect, like what moves did that guy do that really furthered the organization that were really forward thinking and just incredible? I don't think. Well, I, I think the biggest one would be trading for Michael Carter Williams. Like uh, they took a ton of heat for trading him. He was. Yeah, but they still drafted him instead of Giannis. Like, that's my point. I don't think they drafted well. Like, their drafting was not great. You know, uh, we could go out. I don't want to get on this tangent, but I see what you're saying. That was a good trade, no doubt about it. Moving, who'd they get for him? For Michael Carter-Williams? Yeah. Uh, They got a first-round pick. It was supposed to be uh, much higher than it was. It ended up, I think, being 
somewhere in the top ten, maybe like Sa- seven or eight or something. Did they get Sarge on that pick? I don't recall. That's another bust. Everybody thought, oh, they got yeah, Sarge. Yeah, I'm not really He's sure. I don't have it in front of me. But just the fact <laughs> that they were willing to make that trade, you know, I think that um, not being afraid to look stupid is really important when you're in these lead decision-making roles. And uh, everybody thought they were crazy when they traded Michael Carter-Williams. It turned out to be definitely the right move. So, yeah. No, uh, no. If, I mean, you, you see the teams that are doing really well these days. It's it's teams that were forward-thinking. I think that um, Mark Deeks wrote this really good article about the Bulls a couple years ago where he said that they are very uh, reactive rather than proactive. I think you need somebody who's proactive, who's ahead of the trends in the league, if you're going to beat these other teams. I, I think that's just, like, so, so important. I mean, like, they, they have drafted pretty well in the last couple years, but, you know, you have to also keep in mind they had, like, five straight busts, right? I mean... Traded the farm for Doug McDermott. They had Marcus Teague, Bobby Portis. Uh, yeah, but he's not a boss. Denzel Valentine, which would Hold be on. a top three pick in a redraft, according to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't uh, no, label Bobby still, Portis so. a bust, though. He was drafted at twenty or twenty-one. That's not a bust. He's still in the league. Even Doug McDermott's a rotation player. This is well, my I mean, argument. Like, like I, I don't think they're like a top three drafting team. I don't think anybody would make that argument. I mean, I think they've been better than average, but. Yeah. I also think a ton of the draft is, you know, luck, and every GM would tell you that. So yeah, all fair, all it's, fair. Yeah, those are, yeah, that, that those are fair criticisms. But yeah, well, one of one of the best things about the news that has come out recently, I think, is that they're planning on expanding just the entire basketball operations department, and that's something that I've been calling for for many years. I think that's going to help their draft process more than anything else. I mean, uh, they haven't really revealed that many details, but Paxson has gone on the record numerous times saying they are a pretty small department. I don't know how they divvy up their college draft scouts and their pro scouts. I think their pro scouts have been really bad. Their uh, drafting, you know, college scouts, it's it's been okay. It's been fine. But uh, just the fact that I think that's going to help their free agency a lot too is, you know, they haven't really, and trades too, they haven't targeted very good players um, Look at look at the last couple of players they've signed in free agency and trades. Not the big names, but more just um, players on the margins, like a, trading for Jerry Grant or trading for uh, you know signing Isaiah Cannon or oh. trading for Michael Carter Williams. I mean, all these players. Like, if you have more scouts, they'll tell you right away that like these guys are not going to be very good. But it's the fact that they spent a lot of time researching these guys in college and they didn't update their. Um, assessments based on their first couple years in the league. I think that it's really clear. I mean, like, look at a guy, too, like Luke Cornett. I mean, Luke Cornett had two of his best games of his season against the Bulls. I believe he had his career high and his second career high against the Bulls. And they go and sign that guy. I mean, I watched, like, a bunch of Luke Cornett's games after signing him. And I was I, I was just thinking, like, why are they signing this guy? You know, like, yeah, he's not going to fit in their system at all. No so doubt I, about I, that. I think they don't spend that much time scouting in the pro level, which is hurting them a lot. What 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 reflecting back on this disaster of a season, let's assuming it's over, you know, and we're just going to go into playoffs or if, if they do return, it's only going to be a few games and, you know, they're out of it. Um, what, what gives you hope and what gives you just causes you distress upon re- reflecting on this, this past season? What gives me hope is uh, I just wrote a story recently about Zach Levine and Kobe White and how they would fit on the floor. And for that, I watched maybe like seven or eight of the old games. And after just having like a little bit of a hiatus, you know, when the season wasn't going on, it was really shocking to me just seeing 
with a set of fresh eyes how insane the Bulls' offense was. Uh, so Boylan has been saying all year that he's teaching a system. He's not really adjusting the system to the players, and that was so glaringly obvious when you, you see things like you know Cristiano Felicio initiating the offense from the top of the key or you know they're, they're running plays they're running ATOs for like Shaq Harrison corner threes they're just doing this like totally ridiculous stuff so I think that uh Boylan just held the team back so much this year it's like uh, yeah if, if they can just get like a average coach I don't even think they need like a top 10 coach or anything if they can just get a coach in the top 20 in the league I think that the team is it's going to be a, a lot better. I'm, I think people are going to be surprised at like how much of a difference it's going to make. Yeah, I'm excited about that article. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. I ask, absolutely, it is on my to-do. Um, do you agree, then, that you feel that there's a future for those two together? I think it's way too early to tell still. Uh, Kobe White was really up and down season. Uh, he's an unfinished product. So, I mean, the games where he was so dependent on – his three-pointer so the games where that shot was falling and you're gonna have a lot of variance when you shoot a lot of threes i think he's shooting like eight threes per 36 minutes or something so games where he was hitting them he looked amazing right and then there were a lot of games where he went like one for seven one for eight those games he no seemed really bad so i mean i think that's fine that's normal but uh anytime you try to make a prediction about a player like that a 19 year old point guard you're just gonna end up looking foolish most of the time so i'm just you know everybody just has to wait and see with him you would concur, though. I mean, after the All-Star break, he was like a different player. Well, he was as, just hitting a lot more of his three-pointers. and his, But he was definitely more consistent and producing consistent scoring. I mean, he was it was that, I agree with you. I, th- I thought before the All-Star break, I, I thought he was a disappointment. But to me, he was like an almost different player from that point forward. He was just a lot more aggressive and a lot more – I guess not aggressive is not the right word because he was aggressive even in his bad games. But, yeah, consistently hitting the jumper, which is – makes all the difference in the world with the results, right? I mean, did you feel that you, you saw significant enough improvement to feel better about him? How about defensively? I mean, he, he, did, he did improve quite a bit as a passer and also on defense. Uh, they were having him run a little bit more of like a true point guard role where he would run more pick and rolls, and he was pretty rough in the beginning of the year doing that, and he got, he got better. I mean, he still has a little bit of work to do there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that he did improve, but, again, it's just – I mean, look at look at the 19-year-old point guards that have come into the league, and they've all pretty universally been really bad. And a lot of them have developed to be very good players. A lot of them have been kind of busts. So, you know, De'Aaron Fox is a good example of that, where he had a really, really bad uh, rookie year, and then in year two he took a leap. It's a really hard position to learn. So, yeah, I just think you have to wait and see and enjoy the ride see the development, but don't try to make any assessments um, so early on in this guy's career. I mean, Boylan obviously is a concern, and hopefully he'll be removed from his position. But, you know, let's, let's just take him out of the equation. Are there any other concerns regarding the team that you've seen that uh, you believe might be keep a, a big impediment in going forward? Are there What are some of the bigger ones that you have? Well, as far as next year goes... Uh, a lot of their roster is locked in. I think they have 12 guaranteed contracts. So something that Joe Cowley wrote a couple days ago, which also I thought was smart for the Bulls, is that they uh, – Cowley said that the new guy that they hire, they're going to encourage him to be aggressive in trades. I think that's very important because, I mean, in all honesty, like if they run back the exact same roster next year, it's, it's going to be kind of boring. Um, I think that if they can get off – 
Thad Young's money. Uh, he just isn't a good fit with this team, what they're trying to do. That's going to open up a lot of cap space and just uh, mix things up a little bit. I think that uh, that would be definitely something to look forward to. Don't, don't you feel, though, uh, that let's say they do bring him back and Otto Porter shows, shows any semblance of health, health and we, we get a decent coach? Don't you feel the team could be considerably better? I feel like it's a 500 team if you have a good coach and and Otto is healthy. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Like, If they had stayed totally healthy and had a good coach this year, they definitely would have had an eighth seed. I, I don't think that's that uh, that much of an accomplishment, though. I mean, like, what what is the eighth seed right now? It's like um, winning... 42 percent of your games or something so yeah i think they should try to aim a little bit higher uh which you know they can do like the problem with the problem with the roster is just that um you know you have this core four guys which is whatever we we still don't really know what what's there but the guys on the margins um they, they just have so many dead roster spots right like ryan archidiacono as a third string point guard is like okay but uh, if you have to rely on him, which they did, then that's going to be a problem. You have Shaq Harrison, same deal. You know they have like no uh, wings on this team, which has been a problem for like eight years. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they 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 need to shake up the roster. They can't just roll with like six point guards and play four of them at the same time. It's just not a good uh, option that you're giving your head coach. I still think Valentine was a good option as a wing. I don't want to get on a tangent on that. It just, you know, coach decided not to use him. He preferred to have Ryan A and, uh, you know, play in the wing position and she's just absolutely laughable and asinine. I think a new coach would, would probably make a different decision. But I agree, we do need to add some depth at that position. The player, though, first of all, I can't thank you enough stuff for all the time you've given us. To wrap it up, I did want to ask on one more question on a key player, Laurie Markinen. What's the problem with this guy? Why has this year been such a disaster? Do you still have high hopes they can turn around? I'd like your 360 view on Lowry Markkinen. So the reason why I'm optimistic on Lowry is he was pretty good under Fred Hoiberg, and Hoiberg used him very differently from what we've seen Jim Boylan do. He's he's kind of stagnated or even taken a little bit of a dip in uh, the second half of his Second year and then all of his third year, he was he's pretty bad this year, uh, in all honesty. Uh, so like what Hoiberg was doing with him was getting him shots uh, off movement a lot more. The Bulls were running a lot of horn sets. He would come off screens and get wide open three pointers or attack closeouts off the dribble. And what Boylan had him doing was a lot more stationary shooting, a lot of this uh, grab and go stuff where he was. He was really out of control. Like I think Boylan was forcing these guys to take shots at the rim, just focusing way too much on shot profile, where the shot is coming from, rather than if it's a good shot, if it's an open shot, if the guys are comfortable with that shot. And what you saw so much when you watched the Bulls were these out-of-control drives and layups that would lead to fast breaks on the other end. Uh, I think Laurie was uh, one of the biggest victims of that. So I think if he can get in a system that complements his style better, um, and he gets a little bit more confidence. I think that uh, there's still reason to be high in him. Now, I don't want to totally absolve him of blame because he did just play like crap this year, and he should be able to overcome bad coaching. I mean, he's so talented that there's not really any good excuse where you can just dump all the blame on anybody else without giving him any. So some of it definitely is on him, but I do think that he'll benefit next year if they make a change in direction in, in the coaching. 
One more question before we wrap it up. Out of the core four, Laurie, Zach Levine, Kobe White, Wendell Carter Jr., could you give me your ranking from one to four in terms of who one being this guy is going to be a part of a, a, a team, the Bull, and turn around for the Bulls that will be part of a contender to the guy you think is least likely to be a part of that um, from one to four? I think Wendell Carter could be the starting center for like the next 10 years for the Bulls. I mean, he's just so solid. He He's so impactful on defense. I think it's kind of a minor miracle that the Bulls were – I think they finished 13th this year in defense, and they were a top four team at one point with Carter. He's just such a good rim protector. He's so smart. He's, he covers up a lot of mistakes for the other guys. Agreed. So – He's extremely solid uh, offensively. You know, is kind of a disappointment so far. But again, a lot of that is on Boylan. And then, uh, I guess I'd say, I guess Levine would be number two. He's more of a finished product. Um, yeah, you know, they they just need. Uh, it's it's been said by so many people. Like he's clearly not in the right role. Like he needs to be like a number two guy on a team. Then three, Markkanen, we already discussed him. I'd say four, Kobe White, just because the other guys are a little bit more proven. That's not to say that I'm low on Kobe. It's just that you know we don't really know what we have yet with him. So based on that, th- those reviews, do you feel these four could form the core of a championship contender in three or four years? Uh, absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> you know, like, what what do you need for a championship team? Like, two top ten players? I mean, I don't think any of these guys are going to be top ten players in three or four years. There's probably, like, less than a 1% chance. But, you know, could they be, like, a, a pretty good team? The, the comparison I made in my story was, like, the Portland Trailblazers. Yes. Could they be the next Portland Trailblazers? That's a really fun team, and they've been good for a while. So I think that if the Bulls get that number one guy and then you slot – Zach and Kobe in there as like a supercharged offense, that would be a really fun team to watch. They could maybe like sneak into the second or third round. But yeah, I mean, there's just, I, what, what do you think? Like, do you think that they have like a top 10 player on this roster right now? Well, I think yeah, I do. I think that Kobe white could become, I mean, it's, it's hard to predict. Right. But what I've seen from him as a 20, 20 year old after the all-star break was so impressive that, Maybe his ceiling is higher than what I expected. And I think Zach Levine is on the board of an all-star. You mentioned the Blazers. Like, I think that's it's entirely possible the Bulls could be something similar to that team. Where you have they, – they were in the Western Conference Finals last year. They, they're they a contender. Right. You know, not, not I'd say, a, a leading contender. But they're definitely on the outskirts. From what I've seen so far, if Levine and Kobe White develop into – a type of backcourt similar to what Portland has. And, you know, neither one of them is going to be as good as Damian Lillard. But combined, you could probably get something similar because I think they both have a higher ceiling ceiling than uh, McCollum. Who knows, right? And then you have a legit defensive center, Wendell Carter Jr., who hopefully can develop his shot. And Laurie's the guy that's, to me, the most disturbing. I have him as a distant four just because I just haven't liked the way he's developed as a shooter. He, he shot the ball so poorly for large swaths of the season. I'm so disappointed in it. But, you know, depending on your draft this year, I think it's possible that they could develop into something special. Is it likely? Not from what we've seen so far. I think what's like most likely right now from what we've seen is a, you know, four or five seed. But I was very encouraged by the development of Kobe White. 
in in the second half, especially after the All Star break. But you know, you make a good point. Um, but as saying the Blazers, that would be good to me. I mean, the Blazers in the East are coming out of the East, and then who knows what happens in the championship, right? Fred, you got to do me a favor. Please, uh, please do not make any bets with Mark. Kobe White's going to be a top 10 player. I just can't stand to see you lose any more of these bets. I know. Me neither. Wait till you see the the horrible speech I have to read as a result of losing this last bet. Mark wrote this speech that I have to read. Uh, I'm going to be so embarrassed. I'm actually going to hopefully have my family around me while I read it (laughs) as as support. And i got to film it. So you're going to see that next couple of weeks. How excited are you about my my upcoming single, uh, Kirk Heinrich? Well, you know, I was talking about how general managers have to be good at all three avenues. I was thinking that, you know, the reason why you are such a successful performer is you have all three things, too. You got the guitar skills, you got the vocals, and you got the stage presence. And you should know that if you're if you're missing one of those, then you're just not going to be able to. That's why I want the Bulls to get a guy that has all three components. <laughs> thank, thanks, brother. Stefan, I've always appreciated your support of my talents. I can't thank you enough uh, for all the support you've given me, and I've been a huge fan of yours. And I know uh, I cannot wait for the season to start again, just to to read your work again, because you, you're uh, as far as writers go, you're up there with Casey Johnson and uh, you know all the guys that I love. I'm just so upset that this has happened, but I know you're going to be back soon, brother. Well, you know, Darnell's holding down the fort over there. He's pumping Darnell's out really great, great stuff. And yeah. uh, I, I didn't get a chance to mention my number one GM candidate either, Fred. What is that? Who's that? I nominate Frederick Fife. Oh, yes. I, if you were going to say Sam Hinkie, I was going to end the call right now because that's the last guy I wanted to. Are you a we Sam Hinkie guy? the team with Denzel Valentine. <laughs> did you, by the way, before I forget, did you listen to the last Bulls HQ where Mark gave his top, his, uh, top bands? Did you hear that one? I saw the names that Mark was floating, and I thought that I should stay as far away as possible. <laughs> what? Can we get your top five bands to wrap this up? <laughs> uh, you can't put me on the spot, man. I gotta have some time to to figure that list out. Did you even hear some of these? Like he had some band called uh, Between the Buried and Me. Did you ever hear of him? I have not. No. <laughs> Good move. I'm, I'm not into the Australian metal scene. Unfortunately, <laughs> they're from North Carolina. But please okay. remain unfamiliar with them if you want to make your life better. Because this is the I unfortunately listened to two songs. Uh, the guy needs a throat lozenge. It's the worst sounding <laughs> band I've ever heard in my life, and he has them in his top ten of all time. So, anyhow, well, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to your release of Kirk Heinrich. I've been uh, eagerly anticipating it. After this call, after our call, I'm going to send you a secret demo I oh. have online. So I'd looking love to get your it. opinion on it as uh, as I f- finish up the studio version with a. Uh, uh, with uh, a, a larger group of musicians. But I, I love your opinion on all the things I do, so I'd love to get your opinion on this one. <laughs> okay, I will give you my unfiltered opinion. You're the best, man. Thanks again for coming on, buddy. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And Fred, stay safe. Everybody else out there, stay safe too. And uh, best wishes. Hey, one more thing. Where can people in, in find you? Are you doing Instagram? Are you doing Twitter, of course. Uh, share with anybody who hasn't. If, if, you're not, if you're listening to the show, you don't know stuff and no, then you're probably, you know, I don't know what's wrong with you, but definitely jump on top of it. Is there anything else that people can do in the interim to reach out to you? Yeah. So I, uh, with all this crazy bulls news going on, I really wanted a place to write. I decided to start my own Patreon page. I know the times are extremely tough for most people out there. So I'm making it 
pay what you can. If that's zero dollars, that's totally fine. Uh, suggested price is four dollars a month, but I think I'm going to try to write about once a week over there and um, just give it a look, see if you like it. You know, if you can't contribute to, you can always just uh, help me out by telling some friends about it, uh, retweeting my stuff, or helping me that way. And I, I appreciate uh, anything that any of your listeners can do. Absolutely, absolutely, my friend. Hey, please, uh, every time you put up an article, give me a heads up. I will definitely retweet it to, uh, you know, my small corner of Bulls Nation. And it's always worth reading what you do. And I can't thank you enough for jumping on to talk about AK for the seven. Good day, <laughs> Bulls Nation. I'm glad I could share it with you.